All right. What's up, man? It's been a while, like a month, huh? Yeah, it's been a while. Half yeah, holidays. Better. We got something cool today. Yeah. Um, we always get to talk about some ancient peoples. Uh, but yeah, holidays, all that good stuff. Holiday. Um, yeah, Christmas passed. Oh yeah, all that happened since the last episode. The last episode, yeah, the last episode was right before Christmas. We put up an archaeology one. Last year, it was the Levant. I did a solo episode, I think. History of the Levant. And this year, we did... Shit, what was that episode? Well, no, we just did Chapter 7 in this book, too. 6, 7, and 8. We're doing 8 today. We did 6 and 7. Yeah. Which was what? Man, it's been a while. Anyway, good stuff. Been awesome just stuff. Working, working on a record for Golgothan. Oh, uh, yeah, has a record. You're probably busy with work, right? Yeah, starting to slow down a little bit now again, finally. But this is your um, time. Every year you get slammed. Oh, did my video freeze? Yeah, but like, yeah, your video froze. I'm on the continuity camera, but you can still hear me, right? I can hear you. No video. Okay. So I'll just stare at the still image of you while I talk. But yeah, it starts to slow down kind of mid-late January for me. So that's good. But also ramping up, got a baby coming very soon, March 1st. So that's, uh, I'm getting ready for that. What's up? Uh, I'm listening to you, baby coming March 1st. What's your, you trying to figure out your video? My I installed the iPhone update because it wasn't working earlier. That's a side note. Okay. Um, and then it just automatically restarted my phone. So I'm just going to plug in my other USB camera. Got it. It's actually already plugged in. So you got your new baby coming March yeah. 1st. Yeah, so just getting ready for that. So in other words, while it's what slowing do you- down for work, it's kind of ramping up in other areas of my life. What do you do to get ready for that? Are you talking like house stuff or like psychological? How both, uh, both. You got house stuff like now, like just getting the fucking room ready, like making room in there, like put a bassinet and like make room for his shit and yeah, having to like navigate that with Lily, like having to move her shit around to make room for it's yeah, just getting the house ready, um, doctor's appointments. You know, they start getting closer and closer together for that stuff. The closer you get. When did you find out the gender? And did you tell me that it was a boy already? Because I feel like that's new news. Or was I not listening? I think I've already told you. Uh, we found out the gender around 20 weeks. So I don't know, like okay, 18 weeks ago, something like that. No, not 18 weeks. I'm way off. Hey, video. We got video yeah. back, folks. Awesome. Sweet, man. That doesn't look too bad. No, it looks fine. Well, congrats, man. How do you feel? Yeah, thanks, man. Or do you feel excited and ready for that? Or do you feel... Yeah. Dude, I'm definitely excited and ready for it. Definitely. That's awesome. Yep, I am excited. Yeah, I'm done after this one. That's what you say. Yeah, well, well, whatever. We'll see. That's what you say. Wait 10 years. You'll have a late one. 
I'll be way too old by that point. Like right 35, when I'm 35 as it is. I'm already too old. Yeah, but you work out and you're in a metal band, so. And was that supposed to keep me younger? Yeah, just. I don't know. That was the joke. Bad joke. <laughs> I just. Uh, I just. I don't know. Should we get into well, it? Oh, I didn't. Yeah, know we, we can get into it. Ready? Yeah, we can get into it. Let's do it's it. not as long of a chapter as you said it was, but it's it's a good one. And it's talking about we're picking up talking about the Salutrians and how they're not getting the credit they deserve, Dylan. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting part. Not getting these racist assholes. Uh, yeah. Did you check that out that I, I, I sent you, man? I didn't get a chance to read through. All, I like I glanced through it for a few seconds. I was working and I just haven't had time since I got off. Okay. So, well, we're gonna have to fill me in. Fill yeah, me in on that when we get to the Doctor Pruner Prey part. We'll pause and like have a side sidebar right there. Pruner Bay. Um, Pruner Bay. Yeah. All right. So basically, the last episode was the timeline of microblade leaflet points, microblade pressure flaking, arrowhead. Stone Super tool, advanced right? technique. Yeah. Very hard to do. Uh, not something that you can just like kind of pick up and learn real quickly. You have to learn something that has taught. to be through. Yeah. You have to be taught that which through trial and error to perfect this like very difficult technique. Yeah. So look up some YouTube videos of it. If you want to see the process, it's uh, very interesting. Or these ancient people like made tools or look at our, our last ep podcast episode. I could do my damn job and screen share. Yeah, that's what the tools come out looking like. But I'm saying to see how that how that's made and how they get oh, to yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe the whole process. Maybe we should have played a video. But you can. They've mapped the timeline of human history based on finding these leaf, these arrowhead, this type of stone tool, pressure flaking. In this episode, they do the same thing, but with horse taming and horse riding. Horses. It, yeah. It the evolution of societies domesticating horses and riding them. Which is evidence of advanced civilization and culture, not typically evidence of nomadic hunter-gatherers. Typically, right? I don't know. I would think so. That's the point this Arthur's trying to make here. Um, but they found this... So it, it, it kind of follows the same timeline as the leaf as a parallel from ancient Russia 50,000 years ago, dude, all the way up to Europe today. But they found this place called, oh, and the book we're pulling from, we should let people know. Denisovan Origins by Gregory Little. And Andrew Collins together. Andrew Collins. <clears throat> hybrid, subtitle, Hybrid Humans, Gobekli Tepe, and the Genesis of the Giants of Ancient America. Can't wait till we get to that part. Whatever. All these giants and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Not even there yet. Um, and this is the thing. This is just one book out of all the books on this topic out there. Out of all yeah. the topics. Dude. It's crazy. So there was this one place, the Crote du Charnier, I believe is the name, where they found a hundred a hundred thousand esquine bones, horse bones, just smashed and piled in a proto-sutrian layer. 
Salutrian later. So there's so the Salutrians, to... which was 22,000 to 17,000 BCE was the Salutrians, who was basically the descendants of like, uh, you know, Russia, ancient Russia, 50,000 year ago, Kostinki, Mongol, reindeer era, Russia. And then they moved into Europe and became the Salutrians by that point. It's like 22,000 years ago. Fucking before that layer. So the like at 30,000 years ago or something. Which have been around the Gra Gravet Gravetian time frame. There was the Gra Gravetians, the somethings, and then the Ar Salutrians. Well, you had the Aragnasians. You had the Aragnasians first, right? 43,000 to 26,000 before present. And you had the Gravetians, 33,000 to 22,000. And then the Salutrians, some, and I'm, I'm might be a thousand or two years off on the, the tail ends here, but the Salutrians, 22,000 to 17,000 years ago, basically. So th those are kind of the, the order of the cultures we're talking about here. And then we're going to also going to talk about the Magdalenians. They come after the Salutrians who get accredited, you know, who like get credited with being some of the best cave painters of this area 17,000 to 12,000 years ago. Yeah, they had some pretty cool looking caves. And then eventually we're going to get back to the which we've already talked about the Swedarians who are who are kind of that that transitionary culture who um who I think is going to be the culture that we see bridges that gap between these cultures and the cultures that culminated at Gobekli Tepe later yeah. after the younger dries impact. Gobekli Tepe and that era is basically the beginning of modern history as we know it, the beginning of our history. It's like 9,600 years ago at Mesopotamia. But then there's a long gap before that. And then before that gap, there's 40,000 years of stuff, basically. And then it picks up at Gobekli Tepe and no one wants to talk about the 30,000 years before. That's wild, man. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So we're talking about it now. What yeah. the little evidence we have. Yeah, man. So the wind horse people, Dylan, get into it. Um, well, we just we just did it. That was them. That's the episode. All right, we're done. Let's shut yeah. it down. Um, the wind horse people. Why do they call them the wind horse people? I, I they never fucking explain that in this chapter. <laughs> To be honest, I was wow. wondering that. I was going to ask you that, like if you dug into it, but they never explained it. So I do not know. Well, archaeologists thought the Salutrians didn't leave behind a lot of evidence other than their stone tools, but their horses they left behind. And it was proposed uh, with the discovery of a prehistoric land surface, the 100,000 horse bones. I said that at Crote de Charnier. I said that on the southeastern slope of the Roche de Salutre, said that. And in the last episode, too, we said that. Um, yep. Okay, they, so they found 100,000 bones at the base of this big rock that juts yeah. out of the landscape. I was just getting to the next part to move okay, on. Okay, sorry. That. My bad. This, this, but this led to theories that they would drive packs of horses off the cliff so they could roast the carcasses. Kind of like the Indian zip with buffalo. Yeah, or so they say, right? Right. Uh, it's unlikely the horses were forced to leap to their deaths, and the bones are from feasting over time. 
Mm. Mm. So they were just throwing their trash. That was their landfill. Horse bones, dude. No one eats horse today. Or, as we'll see in a... Um, could be they were throwing their trash, or as we're seeing an excerpt from later that maybe it's related to a, something that the Mong- uh, Mongolians did, which we'll get into how that might tie back to the Salutrians. Hmm. Anyway, go ahead. The origin of certain species of horses and ponies are attributed to those introduced to Western Europe by the Proto-Salutrians, since the equine layer is right beneath the Salutrian layer. So these were the people that came in with all of their horses. Hmm. They came in, they settled, and they're like, what do we do with 50,000 horses, chief? Uh, some of those noted species are the Ardennes farm horse. See, screen share pictures. Okay, this is one of the horses. Beautiful horse. That thing is jacked, dude. Look, Barry Sanders right here. Jacked. Dude, look at this one. Look at these horses, man. It's like... The Brock Lesnar. This is the one directly to your le- the left right there. This that dude? one. Look oh, at that thing. Man. Look what on that. A be- look at this horse. Look at that thing is what I've never the- look at the mane on that thing. Dude. That thing is gorgeous. It's like a pit bull of horses. Dude. That's jacked, dude. That's What's a man that? of a horse right there. Dude. That is a beautiful beast. Like majestic. That's epic, man. I don't like using that word, but that's epic. (laughs) That one in particular is ridiculous. That's an epic horse. Dude, I'm getting that tattooed. To get it tattooed like a... I'm going to try to describe this to a bad tattoo artist that makes good prices (laughs) and be like, I want it as real as possible. (laughs) <laughs> it's a super I'm not like a horse. shitty stick horse with uh with it's biceps. Epic jacked horse. All right. Oh, yeah. Um, that's the slow one of the group. Look at this beautiful beast here. Wow, that's a well-groomed horse. Uh, the other horses. The other horse. How was that? The Basque horse? pony. Some of the noted species that were allegedly driven off the cliff 20,000 years ago was this horse, the Ardennes farm horse, the Basque pony, standard horse. Basque pony, didn't know it was a Basque pony. I thought it was just a horse. We're not equine experts. Yeah. Equine's a new word to me. You didn't know what that was? Equine. Horse. Equine genius or whatever. I don't know. Dude, they need a name. Somebody needs to... I might not want to talk about this idea I just had, but if I was, um, you know, able to launch a lifestyle brand, I'd launch a wine, and I would call it Equine, like I-K-H, wine, and the logo would be a horse, and you wouldn't get it right away. You would just think it's beautiful and cheek. And then after two glasses, you'd be like, oh, my God, equine, it's horses. <laughs> All right, let's bring that one to Shark Tank. See how we do. Equine, dude. So equine. that's pretty standard. And the third one is the, what is this? Kamarug Riding Impact Pony. Hey, man. I Look, dude, this is just a theory, but... 
they came across the continent after 40,000 years of traveling and they settled at this beautiful rock and they knew they weren't going anywhere. They couldn't feed all the horses. The three horses that they, that died at the cliff are all horses you would need to travel, you know? So you think they just killed them after they got there from traveling? I don't. Yeah. They got so these you... things loaded down, pulling trailers. They got these things carrying people and royalty and other packs and water, and they're eating them. And you got these for the the quick bandits with the stick that got to drive around and be like, uh, knock the uh, banana, knock the banana spider web down. Look at this. This is a community of people. You can't find pictures of this horse without a community of people riding together. These are, yeah, these Salutrians showed up and just got rid of all the extra. Damn. So it was just That's a mass genocide of horses. Yeah. You don't think it was just over time they ate that horse meat? Could be. For feasts? Could be. And here's what I'm saying. They ate their horses because they had so many. Yeah, either, probably either so. Either way, they took all either the way, Either way, either way. I'm thinking they just took all their horses and... Either know. way. I don't think they drove them off that cliff, though. I think they just killed them and ate them and then buried them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so. It's just a, just a conspiracy. Uh, this has influenced the idea that proto-Solutrians made their way into Europe, southwestern France, and the Cantabrian region of northern Spain. All this horse stuff makes a lot of sense when I think about France and Spain <coughs> and like uh, the Hemingway era, the Spanish War era. Because I, you know, I never realized Spain was actually that was right there until within the last year I looked at it on a map. Wait, wait, wait. you didn't realize it was right there in Europe? Oh, I was watching a murder documentary on Netflix. And it, and it was like, oh, Spain is in Europe, not in South America. Chasing the suspect to Spain and they showed the, they showed the little plane fly to like Europe and they're chasing the suspect, and they were like, "Then we went to Spain, no, France, and it went over France to Spain." I was like, "It's right there." <laughs> Come to us, people. We're your most reliable source of information. Hey, man, I looked into it. You looked into it. Good job. But it just makes a lot of sense when you look at like European history and how. Like Spanish conquistadors wind up in the same frames and scenes as like French revolutionaries. It's like, where does Spain? Because it's, it's right there. It's it's right there. It's not over here. Like I don't even I don't even know where I really thought it was before. I get I it. it. I get it. I I realized that Spain was right there, so it wasn't as surprising information to me. But I get I get your surprise though. Yeah. Like it gets how you could see it might be somewhere else. So it's no problem, no problem, Dylan. Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, therefore, these horse riders seem to be Tartar or Turkic or Mongolian, whose home is far to the east in Kazakhstan. Um, according to author James C. Southall, present-day Kyrgyz or Kazakh Cossacks burn hecatombs of animals, uh, horses consumed during funeral repasts. In proportion to the rank of the deceased. So if you're high ranked, they burn a lot of horses. So you see what I'm saying? Like maybe this is, has to do with those horse bones could have to do with that ritual. Yep, probably so. 
But what do you think they did with all their horses they had when they showed up, though? Do you think that they killed them over time? Just it was an accumulation of horses over time. I mean, assuming they rolled in on a bunch of horses anyway. Maybe they had, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, so, oh yeah, James C. Suthall. He said, uh, upon examining the skulls found at the Roche de Salutre, which is uh, where all the horse bones were, Dr. Pruner Bay referred them to a mongoloid race. Okay, so James C. Suthall said that Dr. Pruner Bay said they were a mongoloid race was this the metropolis of a tartar tribe which have mustered up to three hundred thousand cavalry at one point dude the tartar tribe that's a big army it was a big um, mongol army so basically genghis marching Khan. across a mongol army from the far east marching across yeah. europe basically yeah so it's like the path of of that um uh, so I looked in the Dr. Pruner Bay because I wanted pictures. Of the First of all, I don't get that part. So can you explain this to me? It says right after that, the Dr. Pruner Bay in question is Franz Ignaz Pruner. Why did he go by Dr. Pruner Bay? I don't know. Okay. Anyway, carry on. I don't know. I did know that his name was a little different. Here's his Wikipedia. Known as Pruner Day during his stay in Egypt. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So he was in Egypt. There you go. That answered my question right there. Um, he studied medicine in Munich and then took part in a scientific expedition to Egypt. So I wanted to find these skulls that Pruner Bay was talking about because apparently this is a big part of the book. You know? Well, they showed it in the book. They showed like three different skulls? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So they have that. In the book. Um, I just thought I could find like more, like the site, just more, oh. you know? Yeah. So I just found his Wikipedia page, and it struck me. I was reading about him, and it said, opinion about Negroid race is a whole section. So I thought, well, that's odd that this guy would be notable enough about like his scientific anthropological opinions on the Negroid race. Right. You know? Um, so it says here on his Wikipedia, so this is like right where my antennas went up. So this is where it goes a little sideways. Uh, and that is, yeah, yeah. So Pruner studied the racial structure of Negroes in Egypt in a book, which he wrote in 1846, he claimed that Negro blood had a negative influence on the Egyptian moral character. Um, he what a piece of shit this dude is. Yeah. He published a monograph on Negroes in 1861, which is basically like a extended essay or a book. Well, let's just say like a book. Um, he claimed that the main feature of the Negro skeleton is prognatism, and prognatism is like a, the jaw structure. Uh, let me click on that. There we go. Maxillary prognatism is where your like your upper teeth part it goes longer, uh, and mandibular is where your chin goes longer. Got it. Right. So, this is what he used to like. Whatever Describe an entire race of people. Yeah. Um, he claimed Negroes' relation to the ape. He also claimed that Negroes had similar brains to apes and that Negroes have a shortened big toe, which is a character which connects the Negroes to close apes. So I was like, what the frick? What the fuck are on this dude? Yeah, so then I remembered about um, a 
conspiracy that I had heard, probably listening to Sam Triplett's show or something. It was a good one about Charles Darwin and the theory of uh, the survival of the fittest thing mm-hmm. is white supremacist. And it was propped up by the state as the science to be, you know, all the philosophers mm-hmm. and everybody and this new theory that explains everything. And <clears throat> um, it's racist. And he was propped up so they could push this fake theory and divide people and then also to cover up where humans actually came from because that theory of evolution doesn't even really make sense. Because hmm. he studied... There's inter-species evolution and then intra-species. And like one evolution is where it'll go from species to species. And the other one is just where a species will change within its own species. And that's what he observed was just finches turning into other finches. It wasn't a frog turning into alligator. Yeah. You know, or an alligator into a bird. And we don't find that evidence anywhere. So that's like a side split about how they co-opted that and then people don't know that so you get into other weird stuff but also it props up these type of scientists that then in a nazi kind of way because they used science in the medical field to propagandize people to not like the jews and think they were dirty that's how that all happened um they literally had like medical classes in the colleges that trained there's a documentary on Netflix that goes through all this. Their medical training stuff was propagandized. They showed in one of their videos to the students training for medical stuff, medical college. Well, this is so insane. They showed on the screen um, how they, how you kill cancer about like zapping it. And the cancer was Jews. Oh my God. The zapping was, was uh german soldiers germans what the fuck so they presented all their science in this racially divisive way to achieve a really evil end do you know what i'm saying that's horrible so that's basically the crux of this conspiracy that i thought of when i read this shit about pruner bay who's claiming that these are mongoloid skulls at the rocks de salutre cave in france that's not controversial, but just when I tried to find pictures, I found this on Pruner Bay. And then I was like, is this? So then I looked into the the Darwin thing. So I was like, let me find out. Let me actually look into that because been, it's been on my to-do list. Like, let me find out about that. Yeah, right. what this conspiracy is. Yeah, so I have it. So I found this article, basically. Um, and and it's about, documenting the American South. Um, I don't know who it's by though. There's Benjamin K. Hayes, F.L. 1887 to 1918, Natural Selection and the Race Problem is the name of this. Uh, Charlotte article. Medical Journal, 1905. This was written in 1905, <clears throat> right? Yeah. Uh, so. And I think their approach to this article is this is to explain how these guys are using science to divide by race. 
Um, Charles Darwin's 1859 publication, The Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection, or the Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life, has been, since its inception, surrounded by controversy. Darwin's focus on evolution has long been pitted against the myriad religious beliefs surrounding the creation of the universe and is considered heresy. The most controversial of all has been the attempt to apply or misapply the theories of evolution to social issues in the science of race. Uh, so let's let me find this whole thing is good. Uh, Darwin himself rarely commented on the possible social ramifications of his theories. Instead, he focused primarily on the biological evolution of animal species and never addressed the cultural or social consequences of this evolution for mm -hmm. humans. Nonetheless, others, such as Herbert Spencer, quote, who first coined the phrase survival of the fittest, <clears throat> reasoned that Darwinist principles were intended to buttress the case that biological evolution could be equally applicable to human societies. So to fortify the case. So other people took this theory and were like, I can use this to be fucking racist. And we've seen that coming out of <clears throat> some of the left is how like math and history and stuff is white supremacist. And it seems ridiculous, right? But then when I look into this, I'm like, I could see how somebody could think. Yeah. All these guys are using science to just be racist. It's true. But you don't get that right away. So, uh, bah, 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 bah. given the heightened anxiety surrounding race relations in the late 19th century, the application of Darwin's philosophies to human societies most often led to a supposedly scientific racism in which Caucasians were always the fittest for survival. <laughs> one, of the, one of the many attempts to form, to use a form of social Darwinism to rank the racists, was published by Benjamin K. Hayes. Okay, now Benjamin K. Hayes is where this gets sideways okay um so there are some things that they say in here that is pretty it was upsetting for me to read just how blatant these guys are pieces of shit. oh wow i'm kind of just reading through but yeah probably don't want to read that on <clears throat> well no, it's just the scientific breakdown but i'm just saying if you're sensitive to this stuff uh just a fair warning like maybe fast forward yeah well i mean it's not terrible but it's just it's what's the word start jarring jarring that's a good word like damn these motherfuckers were racist uh one of the many attempts to use i read that no i didn't while little bi biographical information about Hayes is available, his publications indicate he was a practical medical doctor in Oxford, yada, yada. Practicing, yeah. He also published a talk entitled The Continued Fevers of North Carolina because apparently they had a lot of fevers. Okay, Hayes begins natural selection and the race problem, something he wrote or something, by alleging that, quote, in a scientific discussion, prejudice can have no place. He claims that he approaches the issue not as a moralist, but rather by seeking to examine the conditions as they are and to account for them by natural causes. So he's already saying, he's already priming it. Hmm. Crediting Darwin's origin of species with calling forth the greatest intellectual contest the world has known, Hayes attempts a clear application of the law of evolution to the two races. He begins by summarizing the key points of Darwin's theories. No species can go on reproducing itself without finding some natural check upon its growth, growth and the best adapted to its environment will pass down its superior traits. He said, Hayes argues that if we accept the theory... 
and I, without reservation, do accept it, that all animal life descended from a few primitive forms, we are able to trace step by step every state in the development of the higher forms of life. Extending this theory further, he alleges that there is a certain point at which races, races and nations have seemed grown. They pass into a lethargy or decadent period, and from this they never advance. In Hay's opinion, the African had reached that state of lethargy. At the quote, at the dawn of history, he was fully developed, and during the past three thousand years, he has not made one step of progress. Hayes what argues, the fuck? Yeah, dude. Hayes argues that quote, the superiority of the American Negro to his African brother, who is a savage and a cannibal, is due to slavery as quote the present attainment of the american negro has been solely the result of his close personal contact with the white man yeah these motherfuckers were racist can you believe that shit and this is <clears throat> darwin this is state sponsored this is what darwin's theory of evolution did it's <sighs> like you you know what i'm saying well this is and it's wow, standard. That's it's pretty jarring. It's standard. Like this is what everybody believes. It's just Darwin's theory, hands down. But like, wh how does that prime your mind to then receive? It opens up a whole new world of thinking because, in this very fundamental way, everybody's been primed to operate with this in the subconscious. But the whole time, this is who these guys are. <laughs> They're, severe they're, racist their goal is to dehumanize but what, i don't think darwin race. was necessarily a racist but this dude uh benjamin hayes it gets it gets deeper certainly a racist it gets deeper um it talks about power and that's what i really wanted to do listen to this using an analogy to further emphasize the supposed and required... Okay, this is the subservience paragraph. Let me just read it, man. Claiming that the Negro has been domesticated, Hayes goes on to question whether or not Africans American can become an integral part of an Anglo-American civilization. He claims a Anglo-Saxons have been successful in dealing with the many barriers to development which nature had placed. He notes that this success is not without downfall, as good citizens, good neighbors, kind fathers, and faithful friends may nonetheless feel no moral constraint in regards to those perceived as competitors. So you basically described like all white people are successful because we're more prone to dealing with the economy and the corporate world, but they place it as like nature. But then he says, listen to how he talks about he's he notes that this success is not without downfall like yeah but we pay a price because good citizens good neighbors kind fathers and faithful friends because that's what we are and it's not what they are like it's in this way they oh my god you know yeah. what i'm saying you see how it reads yes um may nonetheless feel no more constraint Citing the race as a singular unit, Hayes argues that the black man has never been a competitor, but has always been subservient to the white race. And just so long as he remains subservient, as soon as he becomes a competitor, his fate is... As, I, I fucked that up. So long as he remains subservient, his position is secure. And as soon as he becomes a competitor, his fate is sealed. 
what the fuck using an analogy to emphasize the supposed and required subservience while furthering the dehumanization of the race hayes acknowledges that african-americans can can serve masters a municipality or a state and so long as the negro renders this service he is protected by the white man as a gardener protects his hot house plants my god and it talks about the the way to keep power it goes above all this and it's like this is how you keep all right. power i get it i get it i don't want to read this shit no more right these are I understand. this is this is where darwin's theories went well um, that's very disappointing um we got one minute left so we can pick back up on the book when we end this one right yeah here's the last sentence man uh it says such a downfall for Hayes is inevitable because like he wanted to see the downfall. He says the weak has ever been dominated by the strong and where the strong cannot control, it will destroy. And that seems to describe just the general state of like the prison system and the police system and the law system and the, and all that, all that structure, you know? Yeah, that's true. I didn't That's true. To find all this, <clears throat> no, this is a but like an obviously just horrible, horrible fucking reminder of just like the absolute racist roots of this country. Yeah, how racist is this book though that we're researching? Yeah. Because, I mean, that scientist, Pruner Bay, who commented on the mongoloid skulls is uh, putting out the same type of stuff that that Hayes guy is putting out from the same era. That guy's from, like, early 1900s. Not necessarily. How is he putting out the same stuff? Uh, the His Pruner Bay, the guy who we just looked at. Yeah, he, because you say because you referred to them a mongoloid race. Is that why you're saying that? No, 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 no. Earlier I said that was not controversial. I wanted to find pictures, and I found what was controversial. That Pruner Bay guy had... Oh, was, yeah, was with the Negroid race stuff. Yeah, yeah he was yeah, known yeah, for yeah. his... Ne right, so that's when oh, I yeah, looked right. into Darwin. I was like, well, it, are these guys kind of racist? Well, it doesn't mean this whole book is racist, but yes. Right, right, right. right. There's some racist people in this book, for sure. Yeah, dude. I've... Anyway, it's crazy, man. That it is fucking that crazy. Was... I could totally see how... It's a somebody... weird stumble upon. Yeah, I could, I could see how people... I think what I learned most about looking into this wasn't even human history as per the horse's as much as it was, I could totally see how people would think archaeology is a white supremacist science. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I could see that. Yeah. Like all that stuff that comes from Darwin and any white guy from Germany or whatever in 1905 and 1870. I could, I could see why out. there's a distrust there. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here with your math, your racist math. Einstein, yeah, a white guy from the 1700s. I mean, uh, I uh, Newton. Get the fuck out of here with your Newton's law. Like, if you're <clears throat> if you're a black person and you feel oppressed, and you know that physics, just the way shit moves in the world, comes from a white dude that was probably super racist. You'd probably 
not give a shit about physics. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But like, yeah. you'd, you'd become LeBron James because you would just live your life to defy what people tell you is possible because physics in your mind is connected to races. Whereas like for me, I never thought like, I don't like Newton. Okay. It's that. just, yeah. I could totally see how people would think that all the, everything's racist. Cause these, but they are. Those, but it's one of those things. Front. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But it's one of those things. Do you throw the baby out with the bathwater? You know, it's like, Oh, baby out with the bath. No, no, because they like, those are mongoloid skulls back to the roach to salute they, I mean, they are the mo mongoloid in the sense that they're Mongolian of so, nature. That's what we mean when we say mongoloid. Yeah. So, uh, uh, side note, you know, that was a, that was a find about Pruner Bay and his, boys. that's a pretty insane find. But, um, so that, all that brings in the question, uh, I was reading my note, white supremacy intentionally pushing certain theories on race about Darwin and natural selection. Bookmark six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, that one that we just read. Uh, so now we go into Henry Field, an American anthropologist Zavolsky. and archaeologist. Zavolsky's horse. Henry Field, probably another super racist, okay? <laughs> Sorry. The modern equine species most classly most closely matching the hundred thousand bones found at the Roche de Salutre was how do you say that? Przewalski's horse? Zavolsky's horse. Uh which now wanders over the plains of the Gobi Desert. Guess where the Gobi Desert is, Dylan? It is in fact Are you That's pulling it up? That's Przewalski's that horse. horse. It is in the Gobi Desert, Desert, which the Gobi Desert is a dry, arid desert region of, you guessed it, Mongolia and northern China, which is bound on its northern side by the Alt Altai Mountains and the southern Siberia in general. So, it's that realization that helped convince Field that the Salutrians had been indeed a horse-reading elite of Mongolian extraction. And they were almost identical in appearance to the modern Eskimo. So we did an episode on a uh, hollow earth last year. I recommend going back and listening to it for myself too, not just for you, but for the listeners, because the Eskimos have a rich mythology that connects to hollow earth and inner earth and portals into the ground, which not a lot of people know, but we uncovered it right here on the Skepsis Telegraph. Right here, you heard it here first. Uh, so Eskimos going back how long? What was that you just read, Jesse? Fifty thousand years or something? Well, I mean, if this is in relation to the Salutrians, twenty-two thousand BP. So I'm talking about Eskimos were doing port. Eskimos were portal hopping way before clay pottery in the Bronze Age. You know, I mean, this is. Or Eskimos are descendants of the, these Salutrians. They lived in the Arctic, too. Right, right. And weird stuff happens there. You, you, Maybe you're right. Maybe they traveled to where Captain, what's his name? Captain Kurt? No, the guy <laughs> who flew that plane up there and had the account of flying into the hollow earth. Oh, Captain, uh, shit, Admiral Byrd? 
Admiral Bird. That's it. Yeah, there's a lot of that. And I, there was a book called uh, The Man Who Ate His Boots, The Trip to the Northwest Passage. That's a collection of their diaries and stuff that made it and their accounts. Because they would, they would be stuck up in the ice and the big icebergs would close in on the ship and start to crush the ships so they couldn't get stuck. So they, and they couldn't get off the ship because guys would get lost immediately and you would die from frostbite right away. Jeez. That's so miserable. Yeah. And they would eat their boots to try to stay alive. Fuck. Yeah. Just because they're leather. Like there's a lot of guys. They never found them. They would get off the boat and go and then, they never found the boat again. Oof. Or the icebergs crush the boat and they fall in the water and die that way. It's terrible. So uh, Eskimos, brother. Eskimos. So yeah, so that's the evidence of why they think the Salutrians actually came from the far east in Mongolia. Horses? Is that the evidence? No, the evidence is the type of horse, Zawalski's horse. The fact mm-hmm. that they found those 100,000 bones and they were related to that horse, Most which is a horse that is now found in Mongolia. Right. You wow, got it? Dude, that horse right there is the smoking gun to human. It is a smoking it, gun. It all comes back to this guy dropping a big hot deuce out in the field, just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I don't know if it comes down to just that, but yeah, that's a factor in it, I'm sure. The, the, Bridled horses. Yeah, the Magdalenians, after the Salutrians, which would have been like uh, 17,000 to... 15,000. Yeah. Uh, appear to have inherited the horse stuff too, but it did not carry through to the Holocene. The Holocene is after the Younger Dry's two-year impact. To today. Yeah. It will be in the third millennium BC. So like 8,000 years later, that horse riding would show up again in Western Europe by the Bronze Age peoples of Indo-European extraction. Who maybe they came from the same area in the Eurasian steppe. Eurasian steppe. Two Ps and an E, right? Yep. The Salutrians also produced bone needles with eye holes on them. It wasn't just horses. Bone needles are the third factor that travels the same timeline. Similar to societies in southern Siberia, 45 to 30,000 years ago, and eastern Gerardians of Kostinki in Russia, 35 to 24,000 years ago. Few cultures used these needles, so uh, it's pretty likely that it was directly passed on or something. That's what they said. Yep. Burial of the dead. Uh, Salutrians also interred their dead in circular stone graves with two slabs like pillars at the head, which reminds me of the 9-11 towers. Let's show a picture of that, Dylan, from the book. Um, You know, I don't even have the book queued up. I'm reading paraphrase the notes that follow along with what Mm. I thought was important. Okay. No, but well, I got I got the book right here. There's a rare illustration from the book that is neat. Oh, watch this, dude. 
Let me figure out how this works. The zoom screen always kind of disappears. Here's the skulls we talked about earlier. The, the Mongoloid skulls. Whoa. Three different sets. Whoa. Bigger picture there. Yeah, that's a male at the top. That's a female here. And this one is uh, bottom is male, Estonian in type. Male and Finnish, the top one. Finnish male, female Finnish, and a fucking male Estonian. So <clears throat> salute trains were spread out, huh? Yeah, man. All right, now show the burial site. That's the... Mong Mongols in a cave. Assuming it's all the Mongols, this is a painting, a gravure painting uh, of Tartar. I mean, it's, when we say Mongols, we're talking about Salutrians, but from the Mongolian area. Yeah. Yeah, they're interring a dead person. There's the bone needles. Bone needles. Look at that, man. You know, I still don't understand. And these were used, these were used, made using those uh, pressure flaking techniques that we were talking about earlier. Hmm. Right. Look how straight that is, man. Those are nice. So, take, just, just more, all of this is just pointing to more evidence of advanced civilization. And the same that, one. Yeah. And, and carried traditions handed down over thousands and thousands of years. Anyway, so this is the uh, burial structure that we were talking about earlier. They wouldn't see something like this, according to the book, again for 12,000 years. Marauding hordes. Yeah, individual burials for like individual folks they wouldn't see for a while after this. So where are you at? You said marauding hordes. Yeah, we get into some of their cave cave art right here. To understand why prehistorians failed to accept the Roach de Salutre graves as evidence of high culture among the Salutrians and instead attributed them to the pre-existing Aurignacian population. They're not giving credit to the Salutrians. We have to understand the reaction at the time to growing claims that the Salutrians were horse-riding invaders of Tartar or Mongolia, because people didn't like that. In the West, the conquest of much of Eurasia by the Mongolians under leaders like Genghis Khan and Kublai Khan during the medieval period was seen as the actions of bloodthirsty barbarians who brought nothing but bloodshed, torment, and suppression to the civilized cultures of the ancient world. So knowledge that the Salutrians might themselves have been either Tartar or Mongolian extraction is not greeted kindly. Yada yada. Uh, it's considered that with the eventual disappearance of the Salutrians, 15,000 BCE, the way was cleared for extraordinary painted cave art from the Magdalenian oh, culture. Magdalenians. These racist uh, bastards. And this right here is from the Lascaux Cave. Pretty beautiful, if you ask me. I'm not seeing it. Oh, I'm not screen sharing it. My bad, dude. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we've seen those before, some of those, you know. 
like in every Disney Pixar movie when like the jungle person has like a, yeah. a moment in their cave and they're like, I just want to run the world. And the song starts <laughs> and they have like paint on the walls. They're throwing. It starts back. painting itself. Yeah. Yeah, man. You know how that's <laughs> what they do, you know? It has like the song playing overlay, and then you see it like it's like a lot of animation is the paintings like actually painting itself, and you see them moving, and then it erases, and another scene comes up. Yeah, yeah on the cave man. wall. That's the yeah, solution. That's, that's the Magdalenians, man. That's how it used to be back in the day when there was actual magic in on in the world. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> that was the Magdalenians, man, right there in Pixar. Um, we got another one. Your camera's in my way right there. My bad. Um, radiocarbon dating tells us that the Salutrians are responsible for some of the most celebrated painted art of the Upper Paleolithic Age, including that scene in the Lascaux Cave. So this guy's saying it's not Magdalenian, it's Salutrian. That's nice, man. I like that. Yeah, so not, once again, so the Magdalenians, these Western little pompous assholes are getting credit for the hard work of the Eastern folk. Yeah. Ain't that some shit, huh? Racist. Exactly, dude. Uh, described in chapter nine. So and then let's the talk about the... Merle. Oh, yeah, what's the Peshmerl? You got that yep. queued up? I figured you did. I should have had them already. <clears throat> Ooh. Where's that at? La Departement de France. What kind of animal is that? That looks like a zebra, a zyger. That looks like a zebra. Oh. That looks like a zebra. Like a mixture of animals, huh? What does that look like? I kind of think of a tiger right here at the head, but the spots may be like. It's got long Leopard. legs, like a horse, man. That's a horse, dude. Mm, maybe so. It's a spotted yeah. horse. Spotted horse. That's maybe what it they, is. Maybe they put spots because they wanted to fill it, but didn't know how, so they just like red spots here. They like spots, dude. No, because they have filled areas of it. Anyway, that is the world's first polka dots. They were just being creative. So, yeah, that is uh, some of the cave paintings that came around during the Magdalenian times. The Salutrians uh, were proven to have painted some of those that they don't get credit for. And then they're also the first stone carvers as well. So they created some stone frises, which featured two-dimensional boss reliefs. Like this? Like this as well as freestanding stone sculptures. For instance, at the Roque de Sures cave shelter in France's Poitou-Charente region, archaeologists discovered a series of limestone blocks decorated on one side with boss relief showing various Ice Age animals, including the ibex, deer, bison, boar, horse, and reindeer. So, on one surviving panel is a human figure pursued by a musk ox. Where's that? So, is it? let's see. I don't see it's it. It's in the book figure. as well. Oh, is it? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Figure 8.7 in a book. That's it. That is it. It looks pretty zoomed in. Like their picture looks zoomed in. Yeah, it is. Seriously. Pictures in the book are kind of shit, so yeah. I don't blame you for using internet pictures. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let me find where you just were at. Musical uh, instruments, was... man. Oh, so yeah, we're getting to thing. musical instruments. Bone whistle. Jesse, you like to play that bone whistle, don't you? The <laughs> dudes. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, gay boy. Uh, so yeah, the Salutrians were apparently known musicians, and then it goes on to talk about how actually all of these ancient cultures, fantasies and music, ago, had some but yeah, all had instruments and shit. But the Salutrians had a wider variety of instruments and a larger number of instruments being used. That's why my theory was that the Salutrians were actually black people, and that was the first time they invented blues and jazz, because that's when. <clears throat> They were like, no, I'm not playing a bone whistle. And then they started to vent like they invented. So bones. then they they invented bull roars. Yeah. Uh lithophones. What the fuck's a lithophone? It's a drum, dude. Watch this. Get out of my way, you fucking zoom menu. Jesus. Lithophone is basically a drum. What the fuck just happened? I'm trying to use hotkeys while screen sharing. I'm too advanced. A lithophone is basically a drum. It's like uh, you hit you hit it with the mallet. Mm. Yeah, whatever that's called. Anyway, they did this. Uh, there's evidence that Lucians created lithophones in environments where a large number of people might have been able to congregate in surrounding chambers, suggesting that the employment of sound was in some instances communal in nature. So they were partying with music way back in the Stone Age. Yeah. I mean, these lithophones right here that you can see, they're... I mean, look at that. That's pretty neat. It's just straight up big rocks. Can you imagine yeah. like walking out of your village? You're the Yeah. You're the lithophonist and you have a, a show that night down at the dude how fucking the, sick would that be well like if it's eight miles if it's an eight mile hike to the roach this lutre for like a ceremony and you got 20 rocks <laughs> you had a 20 piece kit you got to play that night <laughs> yeah i mean back to the magic they had back then he probably would just use that three-pronged device that thoth talks about in his tablets yeah, and just carried them, like used levitated them there. He just used sound. Um, but the uh, the Eternals, dude, we got to watch that and talk about it because it, it brings up a lot. It's pretty wild. It's a good movie, too. All right, well, I'll have to watch it. It's pretty wild. Um, so that's a lithophone, uh, but... Musical instruments have been around since the Denisovans and Neanderthals. 50,000 years ago. 50,000 to 40,000 years ago, dude. And were used also by the Aragnasians and Gravedians 45,000 to 22,000 years ago. There was a noticeable increase in the variety and number of instruments being used during the Salutrian period. 
So maybe shelters like Rock This Earth were locations where communal ceremonies and other forms of ritual practice took place in form of the use of both a human voice and manufactured sound. Incredible. I'd like to do that. I bet that sounds incredible. Uh, more boss relief places. stones. More boss relief stones. Some more evidence. This is a bull roarer. I think it's the thing you put in your tongue or something. Open your mouth. Actually, looks like a turkey call. A boss I used to work for as an electrician. I don't know why, but he was like taking me in and showing me everything. And it was on an army base in Austin. He was like bringing me to like private areas and mm. it's like training me. They offered me like a college scholarship for electric work. You said, no way, Jose. Yeah. Once it started getting serious, I was like, I'm not your guy. Don't waste all that money on me. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go somewhere else. Um, but this guy, he was like a super intense guy. He was like the former next. He was like 49 percent owner, basically. Wow. But he would fuck with you. He was like this Texas kind of guy. I was like, it was crazy. Um, but I was riding in his work truck, and we were driving around Fort Hood, going somewhere. And it's all just country roads, so there's no radio. And he's like, something about a turkey call, but he pulls a turkey call out. And it looks like this, but like it's a plastic piece. And he's like, puts it in, up in the roof of his mouth and he starts blasting the turkey call in the truck, asking me what I think about it. What do you think about turkey calls? You go hunting? You ever, something like this? It was just, re everything was like this really weird challenge to see how you responded. Yeah. Or how manly are you? Yeah. Yeah, and they had me picking up trash all day in this, like, remodeled school they were turning into a comm center. I don't know why. Like, nobody ever, like, taught me to do nothing. They just decided I sucked and was like, go literally pick up trash all day. <laughs> so I was on my phone a lot because there was no more trash. And I got called over, and the dude... He was like 50 with like a beard. He was intimidating, you know? And then he, it was him. He called me over and then two contractors were there. And he like army roasted me like this. And was like, if I find out you're on your phone again, I will personally terminate your ass. It's like in my face. And I was shocked. Dude. It was just so unnecessary. All this bullshit. Because of fucking phone and picking up trash, but this looked like a turkey call, and it reminds okay. me of it reminds me of that guy. Oh, okay. I will terminate wow. your ass personally. Fucking weird, man. It's yeah, crazy. shitty bosses, dude. Almost got in a fight with another dude. They had to break us up. I told him to like shut the fuck up or something. He was being a dick. Get the fuck off me. He would have kicked my ass, but like I had had enough. And he flipped and was like, came storming at me. And then I just like stood my ground at him. And, and he was like, what? And I said it again. I was like, get the fuck off of me. Like, get back the fuck up off of me, man. And then some guy came up and separated us. And all the foremans came in and like walked me out. And we're like, is everything okay? I was like, yeah, but that guy's a dickhead. Fuck that guy. I'm not working with him anymore. 
And then they moved me with somebody else. Damn. And then a, a couple of days later, I quit. I don't blame you. Sounds like a terrible job. It was so depressing, dude. It was so depressing. An hour to Fort Hood at like 4.30 in the morning every day. And you got to check in with your thing with like the army security guard. Everything's army. But like I never could get the permanent pass. So every week I had to go even earlier and sit in their DMV. Oh, fuck that. And get another six-day pass. Fuck that. So like you get there and the sun's coming up and you're so depressed. It's just construction, dude. You're not making enough money. You know at the end of this week you're still going to be short. Like, so why am I here? You're dead inside is the best way to describe it. Fuck that, dude. And the playlist for their training, their uh, whatever it's called, PT, plays every morning. So when we get there and we're all You hear the same songs over and over again. I want to rock and roll all night. It's blasting through the whole fort. It's basically like Lafayette just with these speakers. It's crazy, man. And it's all super regulation. Anyway, man, I'm sorry. I'm like ranting on. Yeah, it's all good. That sounds horrible. Um, So I'm depressed. (laughs) Let's uh, talk about more boss relief and stone sculptures. God, it was the worst. Or are we done with that part? I don't remember. Yeah, I'm depressed with that part. Okay, let's Um, move on. It's the first carved megalith. Thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, what's that? Cueva Cueva del Papalo? Oh no, these are these are more rock carvings. No, uh, we're talking uh, about the first carved meta, megalith. Oh yeah, more yeah, we're not you want to talk about. Yeah, more boss relief and stone sculptures. I do have a couple. There's Aubrey de la Shari Alcaven. Can you read these names while I pull up my bookmark? Aubrey de la Cher Alcaven. That's this one. Where's that at? Mouthers, Mouthiers, and France's Department of Charentes. Almost Rock certainly Salutrian in age. Almost certainly. Yeah, so more horses and stuff. They loved their horses. Love them horses. And then they drove them off a cliff and roasted the carcasses. They didn't drive them off a cliff. We've already discussed that. Anyway. There's Cueva del Papala. I was just showing that. Can you read those details? Cueva del what? Papalo Rocks, I got it, located on the slopes of Mont Duber Mountain near Valencia in eastern Spain. Uh, with two perfectly defined horses bearing traces of orange-red oh. ochre was discovered on a vertical rock surface at the previous location. This is the type of stuff they find at these locations. Horse bones, red ochre, microblade, stone tools, Horse paintings. What about the Badagul shelter and Bersac in French? Badagul shelter, got it right here. Vsop cognac, that's not it. Badagul shelter at Bersac in the French Dordogne. Wow. Cognac. Dude, what the hell? Bad Bade Ghoul. Bade Ghoul. Dude, what is going on? Wow. None of that's working for you. Bade Ghoul Shelter. 
Bursack. Yeah, it brings up cognac, so I can't even find a picture of that. All right. Anyway, so that is another site where they found several limestone blocks showing animals like reindeer. Um, near the Salutrine type site, Rosta Salutre. First carved megalith. First, dude. Yeah, first carved megalith. Forne du Diable. Screen sharing now. And this is kind of the last piece. important megalith that connects the old history to the new history. It's called Forno du, du Diable. Diable. Also in France's Dardogne region. Yeah, the Salutrian rock art takes a slightly different form here. Two large sculpted blocks were found close to the entrance. One shaped like a three-sided cone showing boss reliefs of oryx had been set up at an angle of around 45 degrees into the interior of the cave. The second sculpted boulder, smaller than the first, was discovered 80 centimeters away. This example was completely buried when found and related to an earlier occupation of the site. The larger of the two boulders, which dates to 15,000 BCE, really was purposely erected, then it becomes the earliest known example of a carved megalith, or menhir, anywhere in the world. Indeed, other than examples of mass both, which are small standing pillars seen inside communal rooms at sites in the Negev highlands of southern Israel and dating to 11,000 BCE, nothing similar to either the Salutrian rock freeze enclosures or the Forno du Diable sculpted stones would again be seen until the creation of the first stone enclosures at Gobekli Tepe in southern Anatolia, or Turkey, some 5,500 years later. So there's big gaps of time in between some of these similarities, and that's what mainstream uses to say, nah, it's all independent and not connected. Right. And basically the war in archaeology is they're connected. We so are in these theory, people. of course, there can be no direct link between the activities of the Salutrians in southwestern Europe and those of southeastern Anatolia's pre-pottery Neolithic population. Yet with the introduction of the Swedarians as intermediaries, transmitting age-old ideas across space and time, we can see strong hints of a common joint point of origin for all of these traditions. Where that point of origin might have been is dealt with soon enough in this book. So yet if common roots really do exist between the Salutrians and the Swedarians, and through them sites like Gobekli Tepe in southeastern Anatolia, we should be able to discern similarities in their cosmological beliefs and practices. And this, as we will see, is exactly what we do find. So we'll discuss that in the coming episode. Yeah. So I guess it's not over. The cosmological beliefs follow that same trajectory. Pretty neat. Seeing how our history played out. And man, there's a lot of like stuff coming out about that up in the zeitgeist about ancient human history and archaeology. Like Graham Hancock's new series on Netflix is pretty cool that that's like reignited interest in it. And then, uh, you know, Rogan's had those people on from Bright Insight. Yeah, that's one recently. Me, honestly, that surprises Why? me. Um, 
with the right well, insight stuff. I guess I could, I could avoid get, did the long story, but Media Roots has opened my eyes to limited hangouts and how Joe Rogan is a problem here and why Jimmy Dore is a problem there. And I can start to see these in Jordan Peterson. They called Jordan Peterson being a total fuck job way early before I knew. I bought one of his books. You know what I'm saying? So like, mm. I was like, oh, what's wrong with this guy? I'm listening to Media Roots. Now I'm like, oh, this guy's a fuck job. And Rogan still has him on. Like Rogan's not privy to this pro-Israeli bootlicker neocon guy who constantly yeah. talks about transgender shit. Move the fuck on, dude. Yeah, this, he, guy, he is. this guy gets so deep talking about shit. And at the end of the day, it's just like, okay, dude, you didn't have to break it down that fucking deep, man. Are you still talking about gender polit politics? Please move the fuck on. The only thing Jordan Peterson doesn't do is wear an Epstein didn't kill himself t-shirt. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, I get it. So, so I'm starting to see how Rogan falls into these things. And they're, it's all neocon stuff. It's all the same shit. He had on Mike Baker, the CIA guy, and they immediately are talking about how China and TikTok and Huawei are bad. And right. that's the limited hangout part because... Well, how does he get to the bright inside part? Bright inside people. Because they're just YouTubers, dude. Yeah, I get that. But like they, the he had, he had them on the, the show. And listen to what he says. He says, you should be speaking at universities, man. It's like, no, no he shouldn't. I, I He's a no, fucking YouTuber, Joe. Like, don't you get scientists? You got a YouTuber to come on to talk so that's about. That's a whole different. The only point I was trying to make was that <laughs> the interest in this subject matter has. Oh, it's growing. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Gr that's literally the only point I was trying yeah, to make there. But okay, I get it. I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just surprised that he had him on. I was like, this guy again. Like, there's like Graham Hancock, and then there's just YouTubers. Yeah, definitely. Don't have YouTubers on as if they're like on the same level as a. Yeah, what are you doing? Graham Hancock or Randall Carlson. What are you doing? Have just why don't you just have Randall Carlson on to talk about the recot structure? Why are you reaching out to like because you can watch I don't want to shit talk, but like I watch the Bright Insight videos and they're good. I like them. I watch them, but it's like, dude, stop being it's, such a corny. I hate I, I know I hate the, the cheesy YouTube shit that they do. Like I hate YouTube. I can't I don't know about I'm you, not a but I'm not yeah, I know. I, the, the YouTube YouTube Please, stuff, man. I can't like the there's like something that YouTubers do, right? whatever it is, that cheesiness that they all have in their videos, yeah, like yeah. the Mr. Beast and the... Yeah, man. It's all so of those weird. dudes. He has these people on and he's like, you should speak at universities. He has Mr. Beast on. He's like, you're so talented. How do you think of this stuff? Like, how do you think of making the world's largest pizza and then spending all that money to produce the video and then post it in multiple languages? I don't know, probably by... I don't know. Like, it's not brilliant, dude. It's just he has a lot of money to make videos, right? You're so. Anytime Miley Cyrus comes up or something, or any like mainstream person, he's like, "Oh, they're so talented." He has to like butter the bread. Yeah. Every time. Anyway, I get it. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So we got two minutes left. What else we want to wrap up? Hmm. Zevia. 
Yeah, the root beer. It's delish. I have some in my um, fridge. But yeah, that was human history as per the horses. I didn't know I was going to discover that thing about Pruner Bay and look into Darwinism being a white supremacist science and come away thinking differently about all that. Um, so if that was too much for people reading, but that's public knowledge. What we read is literally excerpts of his work. So you can, you can go to the library and get that. It's not dark web weird. No, but that was pretty jarring to, to hear how they were these scientists. Goddamn. So I get how, yeah, I get what you're saying. I get how people can see how history is racist and yeah, I get it. And I didn't mean to talk shit on Rogan and Bright Insight. I listen to their shows, but I listen with a very like, yeah, I know. I, critical I, yeah, ear now. I well, you have to with everybody, even even them. I'm definitely less than a minute. But um, so yeah, um, Alfred and the Tedinators. Go check it, check out their stuff. Soul Juice, um, Gogothan as usual. Um, working on a new record. Cool. Hey, that new stuff you sent me is awesome. Vulture Stone is awesome. Oh, Vulture Stone. (laughs) It's fucking cool. Glad you like it. I'm glad you like it, man. And I found two more songs in my files last night that we can move to next. Sweet. You'll remember them because you did guitars already. You have Fuck yes. Fuck yes. Well, I'm glad you like gold Vulture Stone. Yeah. All right. All right, folks. Later. Later, y'all. See y'all next time. Later. Peace.